Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith We cannot deny the reality that the wicked prosper. We cannot put our heads in the sand like an ostrich and say, every time you do what's right, you're going to get ahead. Every time you do what's righteous, you're going to just advance in the company. Every time you're honest, it's going to pay off. It doesn't. It doesn't. At least not here. Reaching up high with arms open wide, we see. You're changing our lives so we can be our hands and feet. Christianity does not guarantee that we will be the head of the class at every moment. We are not granted status in society, promotions at work, or the best and most bountiful life simply because we follow God's commandments. Pastor Ed's message today points out the fallacy in that thinking, and we can see it all around us. Others who are less godly get ahead, and we are left behind. But as we are reminded again and again, our reward does not lie in the world but in our eternal home with Jesus. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message entitled, Faith That Defeats Doubt. How do you reconcile the fact that the wicked seem to flourish and the godly seem to suffer? Seems to me sometimes there's more sickness among God's people than among the unsaved, in spite of all the faith preaching that you hear. Well, you're working beside someone and they're cheating at their business. They're dishonest. They're just playing up to the supervisor. They get the promotion, you get passed over. You have a business and you work hard at being honest and doing the right thing. And Another person, they're cutting corners, they're lying to the customer, but yet they seem to do so much better than you do. The prosperity of the wicked was a difficulty to him. The pride of the wicked, verses 6 to 9, therefore pride is like their necklace. In those days, men and women both wore necklaces. It says, violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out with fatness. In other words, he was saying, you could see their pride in their eyes, their heart, their speech. They act as if it doesn't matter about God. doesn't matter about a person's destiny. doesn't matter about tomorrow. They're going to do what they want. They walk with pride and with arrogance. How many of us have stumbled at times when we've looked at the arrogant and their success. In Psalm 73, 9, it says this, they boast again against the very heavens and their words strut throughout the earth. That's the New Living Translation. I see people get on television and they're unbelievers, maybe scientists, agnostics, or atheists, and they happen to talk about creation. Let an evangelical scientist get on television and talk about his view of creation, that God created the earth. 
And he's scoffed at, ridiculed, laughed at, pushed off as some simpleton. The psalmist was struggling with the fact that the arrogant, the wicked are often proud because they're so successful. And the more he thought about this, the more it troubled him. Not only the pride of the wicked, not only the prosperity of the wicked, but their popularity. The text says, and I want to read to you from the New Living Translation and then the Message Translation. And so the people are dismayed and confused, drinking in all their words. Listen to the Message Translation. What's going on here? Is God out to lunch? Nobody's tending the store. The wicked get by with everything. They have made it, piling up riches. I've been stupid to play by the rules. What has it gotten me? A long run of bad luck. That's what? A slap in the face every time I walk out the door. That's the message translation. Here's how the psalmist felt. Now, I want you just for a moment to imagine with me, what are the psalms? They were the hymnal of the Old Testament. They were the hymns. They sang this in church. They sang this, and it was part of their Hebrew liturgy. Why did they sing this? Because I believe this is an experience common to men. Sidney Harris lamented the fact in the World Almanac Book of Facts, they surveyed eighth graders, 2,000 of them, on who their heroes were. And they said the heroes of these eighth graders were the celebrities and the movie stars and the sports figures. He lamented the fact that these people were not the great statesmen or authors or painters or musicians or architects or doctors. Or... That's not what captured the children's imagination. And he went on to say this. He said, the heroes created by our society are people who have made it big, but not necessarily people who have done big things. As you look at our culture, as you look at the society, who does the pop culture worship? Who do they honor? Well, the wicked... It doesn't matter if a man has morals, does he have charisma? It doesn't matter if she has integrity, is she beautiful? It doesn't matter if they have righteousness, are they right? Are they successful? And so the psalmist struggled with this dilemma in his heart. In the play Amadeus, later made into a film, Peter Schaefer Pitches Mozart and Antonio Solaria. Antonio is a musician. He's a composer. And he writes some beautiful compositions. And in his youth, he prays this prayer to God. Lord, make me a great composer. Let me celebrate your glory through music. Make me famous, dear God. Make me immortal. After I die, let people speak my name forever with love for what I've wrote. In return, I'll give you my chastity, my industry, my deepest humility every hour of my life. Amen. Well, Mozart's career skyrocketed. And he overshadowed Antonio's. 
Antonio became jealous and angry because Mozart appeared to him to be a lustful, proud, arrogant, foolish person. And Mozart was a genius. Antonio, in the play, takes a crucifix and he cries out to God saying, you're unjust, you're unfair, you're unkind. And he throws the crucifix into the fire. And he says, God, I'm going to oppose Mozart, your creation. The psalmist was at a place in his life where he was ready to take matters into his own hands. He was ready as he looked at the situation and he sized up the prosperity and the pride and the popularity of the wicked. He began to think about it. Listen to his words again. What's going on here? Scott out to lunch? Nobody tending the store? The wicked get by with everything. They've made it. They're piling up riches. I've been stupid to play by the rules. Bitterness, the acid of envy, filled the heart of Antonio. And he deteriorated as a man as he plotted in the play, The Death of Mozart. You know what Proverbs tells us? Proverbs 23, 17 says, Do not let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous to fear the Lord. We cannot deny the reality that the wicked prosper. We cannot put our heads in the sand like an ostrich and say, Every time you do what's right, you're going to get ahead. Every time you do what's righteous, you're going to just advance in the company. Every time you're honest, it's going to pay off. It doesn't. It doesn't. At least not here. Paul Tournier said, Faith is not shelter against difficulties, but belief in the face of all contradictions. Faith is not shelter against difficulties, but belief in the face of all contradictions. He could have become bitter at this point. He said, my feet were about to slip. I was ready to lose my balance. I was ready to just lose it all. But something happened. There was a turning point in his life. And it's found in verse 17. It says, then one day, I went into the sanctuary, O God, and I thought about the destiny of the wicked. Suddenly, he has an enlightened observation. He has a revelation in the house of God. He suddenly sees everything completely different. If you look at the unrighteous, at the wicked, at this world with envious eyes, you're going to stumble, you're going to fall, you're going to lose your way. You look at the person who breaks the rules all the time and seems to prosper. You look at the young person who seems to cheat on their exams and they excel in the class. Person at work. 
the person in their domestic life. What happens here is that his faith was suffering from malnutrition. What is doubt but faith suffering from malnutrition? He all of a sudden sees their destiny. He says, I went into the sanctuary and I perceived their end. He said, you know, I was on a slippery place, but you set them on slippery places. God gave him a revelation that their lives end quickly and with destruction, and then it's all over. He said, it's like when you wake up from a dream and it's just gone. You ever have a dream and it seems like it's going on forever and ever? And you wake up and it's just gone. And in a few seconds you even can't remember the dream. He said, that's the way their memory are. That's the way their memories are. The wicked are here for a moment and gone tomorrow. Those who have the acclaim of men and who have a vast following, they strut their stuff throughout the earth. They shake their fist against heaven. They rebel against God. God is saying, in a moment's time, they'll all be gone. See, faith helps us to see with eternal eyes, not with temporal vision. It helps us to look beyond the mere moments of our existence to the eternity of our existence. Now you've been there and I've been there. Where we've come into the house of God and maybe we're bitter over some situation in our life. Some circumstances that we're facing. Some things that we wanted to achieve that we haven't achieved. Or some things that we hoped to happen that didn't happen. Or some problem that we're facing that seems to just dog us through the years. And we come to these altars, sometimes in bitterness and anger. And suddenly God opens our eyes and our perspective completely changes. Amen? I like what... Malcolm Mugridge said, faith is a form of knowledge which transcends the intellect. Faith is a form of knowledge which transcends the intellect. I can't explain how it happens, but it happens. Suddenly you see him and you look at life completely different. You see your situation completely different. Your circumstances haven't changed, but you've changed. They would say he's crazy. He's out of his mind. These light, momentary afflictions. Paul, you were shipwrecked. You were beaten. You were left for dead. These light, momentary Afflictions are not worthy to be compared with what awaits me. You get that in the house of God. You get that at the altar of God. You get that in the presence of God. And that's what happened to the psalmist. He shows you the turning point. Where did it happen? It happened in the house of God, in the presence of God. 
Uh, He sees something else. He sees their destiny, but he sees his danger. Look with me at verses 21 and 22 and 23. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, he recognized that deep inside he was developing a bitterness. He was getting bitter over his situation. And then he says this, I was senseless and ignorant like a brute beast before you. He saw that he had lost the ability to think rationally. Ever get that place? And all of a sudden you get out of that place and God shows you what you were thinking like and you were saying, my, was I thinking strangely. Have you ever talked to somebody who's running away from God, who's lost their way, who's in rebellion against God and you try and rationalize and reason with them and you say, where in the world are they coming from? That's what happened. That's where he was near to. But here's the good part. He said, if I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed your children. Obviously, from this verse of scripture, the psalmist was a leader in the church, in the synagogue that he attended. He was a spiritual leader, and God caught him. God spoke to him that if he would have expressed outwardly what he was feeling inwardly, that he would cause others to stumble. It's interesting. We never just affect ourselves, but we affect others. Our actions send out, as it were, ripples in that lake of experience, and we touch the lives of others. I've seen people fall, and sometimes they bring so many with them. I wonder how many have lost their way because of the scandals in the evangelical world back in the 80s. With household name evangelists that were on the lips of everyone. The psalmist had sense enough to realize. In verse 23, I believe God's speaking to his heart. He says, yet I'm always with you. You hold me by the right hand. Oh God, you help me. God, I could have fallen. God, I could have said the wrong thing. God, I could have gone the wrong way, but you held me. Now, he sees something else. He sees not only the danger that he was in, but he sees the blessings. He says this, yet I'm always with you. You hold me by the right hand. You guide me with your counsel. After you will take me the glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? There's nothing on earth I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my life, my portion forever. What he was saying was this. My situation hasn't changed. My heart and my flesh. Maybe he was battling with sickness in his body. Maybe he was battling with some needs in his life. His situation and circumstances were still the same, But he said, Lord, I've realized that you are my portion, that your presence is all that I need, and the most important wealth and the most important treasure I have. See, Christians, our treasure is not in what we could put in our hands. It's not what we have in the bank. It's not what we have in the stock market. It's our relationship with Jesus Christ. And when we realize that, we can stand in any storm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
That's what he realized. He said, Lord, you're with me. You're my portion. Beloved, this whole world is not our home. We're just passing through. J.G. Holland said, Faith draws the poison from every grief, takes the sting from every loss, quenches the fire of every pain, and only faith can do it. What happened in this man's life is suddenly he saw it from another perspective, the perspective of faith. Philip Yancey said, Faith means believing in advance what will only make sense in reverse. I like that. Looking to God and saying, God, I know that all things work together for good to those that love you. I may not understand what's happened. I may not be able to explain what's happened. I may not feel good about what's happened. But God, you're my portion And that's enough. In the play, A Man for All Seasons, Sir Thomas More's daughter, Meg, was bitter. Like the psalmist at the beginning, she did not understand and could not understand why good people suffer. Good men like her father ought to be honored, not put in prison and scorned. Her father spoke about her to her. I'm taking some of the words in the play that was spoken. If we lived in a state where virtue was profitable, common sense would make us good. But since, in fact, we see that avarice, anger, and envy, and pride, and sloth, and stupidity commonly profit far beyond humility, chastity, fortitude, justice, and thought, and have to choose to be human at all, why then, perhaps, we must just stand fast a little. Just Stand fast a little longer. Just trust him. Just believe him. When it seems like life contradicts the promises of God, when it seems like the rug is pulled out from underneath your feet, when you feel as though the brutal reality contradicts and threatens everything you would believe. Get on your knees. Ask God, Lord, let me see it from your perspective. Let me see it the way you see it. And you too will end like the psalmist ended. God is good to those who have a pure heart. God is good to those who trust him. God is my portion. We don't deny our situation. We don't deny that bad things happen to good people. We're not the type of people that are just, you know, optimistic and say, oh, no, no, nothing ever happens bad to good people. It does, it does all the time. But the big difference is this. He's holding my hand, and he won't let go of it. He's holding my right hand. Hallelujah. 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 
Well, that's all the time we have for today's edition of Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. There's more to come from Pastor Ed's 14-part series in the Book of Psalms. We encourage you to download today's message again to review. Simply log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and select today's date from the Building in Faith media player. Again, that's buildinginfaithradio.com. Maybe today's message brought a family member or friend to mind. You can share today's message via Facebook and Twitter by simply logging on to buildinginfaithradio.com and clicking on today's date. There you'll find all the options to share. Now we'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for Worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For driving directions and for more information, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Building in Faith with Dr. Ed Jones. We invite you to join Pastor Ed as he continues teaching through the Word of God right here on Building in Faith. Your Word restores.